This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Last three weeks, we've been talking about giving, and we have entered into the holiday season. Everybody had a great Thanksgiving, it seems, and uh, I tell you what, Christmas is just around the corner. Of course, we've had Christmas trees up for a month now out in the, out in the uh, parking lots, Christmas tree lots and everything else. But, um, but why is it that our holiday season is traditionally a season of giving? It's because we celebrate the birth of our Savior, right? So we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so God giving his only son for us. So how many of you know, though, that in that we aren't called to celebrate the season of giving. We're not called to just be a giver one day or one week or one month out of the year. True? Just like Easter shouldn't be the only time that we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It should be a lifestyle. It should be who we are. And I'm going to wrap this up today. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it short because I've got some testimonies and things we want to share, and then we want to give you guys the opportunity to give. But... Um, I'm going to give you three things, and you can follow along. There's a note sheet in your service guide. You can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. But I'm going to give you three things to, um, to wrap this up today. That I'm just kind of calling this the heart of it all. This is the heart of the matter when it all comes down to it. We can talk about tithes and offerings. We can talk about being a giver, giving of our time and our talents and our efforts. But I just wanted to get back to the heart of it all. And so number one, I've kind of already mentioned. Number one, we were created to give. We were created to give. We were not created to work hard to get more stuff. It's not what it's about. We weren't meant to hold on, really, to anything too tightly. We were meant to give. We were created to give, ultimately to give everything. This is the way that our spirit is wired. So if we're not givers, if we're an old miser like Ebenezer Scrooge, you see what happens. We become frustrated, and we can't accomplish the things we want to accomplish. Let me give you an example that I, I just I thought of the other day. Everybody raise your right hand. Now take a deep breath and hold it. Everybody holding? Now as you have to release that breath, drop your hand. Man, some of you need to quit smoking. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> Seven seconds. <laughs> No, 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 you're good. You can put your hands down. Here's the thing, guys. We receive. I said you can put your hands down. Elder Zechariah. Um, guys, we can take in and we can receive a breath, but we can only do it so long before we have to give it back. You get that? We can work hard and we can receive for so long. But eventually we're going to have problems if we're not giving it back. You getting this? Our God is a God who gives. Every blessing that we have ever received has come from him. Every good thing. And here's the thing. You guys know this. The Bible says that God's the owner of it all reason we don't want to let go of it is because we say, it's mine. We have this idea. Mine, mine, mine. What movie was that? Mine, mine. 
Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. We have this idea that it's ours. No, it's all God's anyway. Everything, every good thing that we've received has come directly from his hand. So if he gives so freely and so richly, and if we're made in his likeness, does it not make sense that we too have been created as givers? Think about it for just a minute. Hopefully over Thanksgiving, hopefully you thought a little bit about the things that you were thankful for, all the blessings in your life. When's the last, God, last time that you just thank God for life? When's the last time you thank God for the air that you breathe? He's given us food to eat. He's given us friends. He's given us family. He's given us spouses and houses, money and resources. He's given us everything that we've needed all the way to the point to where he gave his only son, his only begotten son, as we read in John 3.16. Our God is a God who gives. We were created in God's image. Thus, we were created to give. And I was thinking about this too. How many of you, I mean, obviously, we all want to have purpose in this life, but you want to leave a lasting, enduring legacy when you're gone. Of course we do. We all do. But the way to do it is to learn to be a generous giver throughout your life, in every stage of life. That's how we can ensure that we leave an enduring legacy. I know that my mom and dad taught me from the time I was a small child to be a giver. And any time that me or my brother, we received a gift, a monetary gift, we always tithed off of it. Listen, if you teach your kids from the time they're practically born to be givers, Many times they won't question it. It'll just be the normal thing. It's been normal for me my entire life to be a giver. I'm not boasting in that. If anything, I'm boasting in my parents. And it's something that we've done with our children. As soon as I was old enough, my parents made sure that I was giving by giving of my time and serving in the church as a young teenager. Taught to give of everything that I've got. Giving, something else I thought of, giving is a character quality of people who are successful. Giving is a character quality of people who are successful. So dad talked about it a couple weeks ago. He talked about all these wealthy people in history and they, that they were wealthy because they had this revelation, this understanding of giving. And most of it was about giving of tithes and offerings until many of them, by the time they passed away, they were giving almost 100% of their income away. They caught the revelation of giving. And that's what you find many times with people who have wealth, godly people who are wealthy. They have caught the concept of giving, and they've trusted God with their finances. I will even propose this. I believe it's impossible to find somebody that you would consider to be Christ-like who's not a giver. This is why, as a church, we don't allow people in positions of leadership who don't give. What, are you going to check? Yes. Yes. Remember the first job Sean and I took in, in Illinois as youth pastors, and the pastor made it very clear the first day, by the way, I'm going to check your tithes and offerings each month. I thought. My immediate thought living in this world was, well, that's kind of intrusive. Gee whiz. 
No, he is the leader that we are accountable to. He is accountable to God for placing us in this position of leadership within his church. And it was his job to make sure that we were following God's word. And he didn't want anybody in there who, had a, who wasn't a giver. I get it now. Totally get it. And look, if we put somebody in position of leadership that wasn't a giver, it reveals several things. Number one. It reveals they haven't completely bought into the vision of the church. We don't need somebody in a leadership position who hadn't totally bought into the vision of the church. It also reveals much about their heart and their relationship with the Lord. We were created in the image of God. We're to be a reflection of him, and he give, has given us every blessing that we've ever had. James 1.17, you guys know this. I'm going to read it from the New Living. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So look at that scripture for a second. Think about, number one, whatever is good and perfect is a gift from God our Father. So every good thing that you've ever gotten. So what is the word whatever? Whatever is whatever. From whatever is good, from the smallest green bean that you have ever eaten to the greatest talent and ability that we could ever imagine someone having, that is a good and perfect gift coming down from the Father. And then it goes on to say, I like that last part, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. There's no changing in him. What he's done before, he'll do again. There's no deceit in his motives. He doesn't have another agenda behind the scenes. There'll ne never be anything going on in the dark with the Lord. What you see is what you get with him. So again, if he gives so freely and richly, and if we're made in his likeness, then we can deduce that we were too, we were made to be givers as well. Guys, this has always been his plan from the beginning of time. And he knew that money would be an issue, didn't he? He knew it. So all through scripture, he gives us direction on how to handle our money. I'll give you a few examples. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Now, you guys are probably familiar with this scripture too, but I'm gonna read it from the Lexicon English Bible. I like the way they word this. Honor Yahweh from your substance. And from the first fruits of all that will come to you. Somebody say all. all. And your barns shall be filled with plenty, and your vats shall burst with new wine. Pretty much any preacher will tell you here that he's talking about tithes and offerings. Okay? So, and that's what we've talked about for the last few weeks. Look at Matthew chapter 6. You guys know this too. Verses 19 through 21 from the English Standard. It says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven... Where neither rust, rust or moth or nor rust destroys, and where thieves are not breaking and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, he's given us instruction. Don't spend your time trying to get more and more stuff. It's all going to pass away one day. Instead, invest in the kingdom of heaven. Instead, invest in people. And you can have that lasting impact. 1 Timothy 5.8, he said, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Further instruction on what, how we're supposed to handle our money, right? Don't neglect your family. Help them provide for them. Ephesians 4.28 from the Passion Translation. It says, If any one of you has stolen from someone else, 
This is just mind-blowing. Never do it again. But get this part. Instead, be industrious. That's a great word. Be industrious. Earn an honest living. And then you'll have enough to bless those in need. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Guys, you know how things are opposite in the world than they are in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God? This is one of those things. It doesn't make a lick of sense to this world. Give freely and become more wealthy. Just give freely, and you'll become more wealthy. doesn't make a lick of sense to the world. Sometimes it don't make a lick of sense to us. But we got to trust God and his word and what it says. Give freely, and you will become more generous. You'll become more wealthy. Though if you're stingy, like Ebenezer Scrooge, you become less wealthy. Actually, it says you lose everything. God talks all through Scripture on how to handle our money because he knew it would be a problem. But we were created to be givers. Giving is not something that we are supposed to do. It's supposed to be who we are. A giver is supposed to be, giver is supposed to be our identity, not something that we do. So that's the first thing, the heart of it all. Number one, we were created to give. Number two, it's not about the money. Somebody say it's not about the money. That's why people have issues with giving, especially when it comes to the church, because to them it's about the money. Guys, it's not about the money. What do you mean it's not about the money? Then why do we even need to talk about money? Because we just read in Matthew 6, 21, that where your treasure is, there your heart is. Your heart's tied to it. That's why it reveals our heart. Our resources are tied to our heart. The command to be a giver is not about money, it's about trust. I've said it before. God doesn't need your money. He's got his streets paved with gold. And you're giving to God. You do understand that whatever you give is not a penny to him. Right? It's not about the money. It's about what we're investing in and what we trust. You, find out where, you can find out where your heart is by seeing where your finances go. I know a lot of Christians... Actually, I don't know a lot of Christians like this, but I know of Christians who spend every dime they have trying to prepare for the coming apocalypse. They're buying all this non-perishable food and water purifiers and guns and all this stuff. You ever know anybody like that? What's that show on TV? Doomsday Preppers. Yeah. I think that's hilarious to watch. Um, guys, look. This reveals what we're trusting in. And, and by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong at all in being prepared. God honors excellence. He honors planning. But we can also very easily cross a line, can't we? How tightly you hang on to your resources and even how you spend them reveals what you trust in. And I think you guys will probably agree with me that we love to be in control. We love to be in control, and we don't want anybody to tell us what to do, especially when it comes to our finances. 
Don't tell me what to do. It's my money. And there's the problem. By the way, I was thinking in this many times, we try to tightly control even where our giving, where our tithes and offerings go. You ever been to a church that they're, their offering envelope is about that long and it has about 30 or 40 different categories of things to give toward? Not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but here's the reality. Some of y'all aren't going to like this. I want you to hear my heart. Where the tithe goes, frankly, isn't our business. Oh, it's quiet. (laughs) It's frankly not our business. Whether or not it goes to the category that we think we ought to go to is irrelevant. We were commanded to give. Now, if it comes to our attention that funds are being misused, that's a whole different matter, and that needs to go to the proper authority. Okay? But the moment that that money leaves your hand, or whatever it is, leaves your hand and you give it, God blesses you because you were obedient. There are plenty of ministries that we all know of out there who have gone under because the preacher had been, it turns out they had been for years seeing prostitutes and doing drugs. While the Spirit of God is just moving in their services and people are getting healed and, and people are sending in gifts, every person who gave in to that ministry of that twisted preacher is blessed and honored by God. Because it's not about where the money goes, it's about our obedience. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. Is there abuse sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, there's abuse sometimes. I was thinking how, you know, in recent years, really it's been the last 10, 20 years, a lot of people out there have spoken out against our military and given our military bad rap. Why? Well, because they see cases on the news of prisoner abuse. They see cases on the news where some of our soldiers commit suicide. Does that stuff happen? Absolutely. It's always happened throughout all of history. Of course, there's a few out there who live and act immorally. Of course, there's people within the ranks of the troops who are going to do things. All right. But now our world has gotten so small because of technology that it's put up for everybody to see every little thing that happens. It's the same way with the church. We hear about those few cases out there where ministries are handling funds improperly. And all of a sudden, how does the enemy use that? He tries to stop the blessing, the flow of blessing in believers' lives by getting them to start questioning everything and to stop giving. Are there ministries out there that have used donations for selfish reasons? Absolutely. Is it the norm? I don't believe it is. I don't believe it is. What about ministers? We see ministers that are successful, that seem to uh, be very blessed, maybe living a little bit more extravagant life than maybe we think they should. They got a nice car, a nice house. Guys, again, it's not really our business. It's not really our business. And the moment we start speaking out against a preacher because of something we see that we don't like, we're cursing ourselves because we too are part of the body of Christ. And I guarantee you there's something in our life that they could point at as well. I've heard people say, well, this preacher's got a house that's $2 million. You know how many poor could have been fed with that? You know what the Lord brought to my remembrance a couple days ago? Do you know how many poor could have been fed with that? I've heard that so many times. 
That's in the Bible. And it was the words of Judas Iscariot. That hit me the other day. Those are the words of Judas. Should we feed the poor? Absolutely. It should be priority. Jesus also said the poor will always be with us. That means if we all sold everything that we ever had and gave it to the poor until we were dead and broke, there would still be just as many poor out there. we got to invest in people's lives. But again, we were commanded to give. And let me say this. Sorry, I hope I'm not on a soapbox. (laughs) You could be on the financial board of your favorite ministry or even this church. And sometimes you would think that more of the fun should have been spent on this than on this. But guys, most of us are not on a financial board of any kind. We were called to be obedient and do what God's word says. Again, if we see or something comes to light of improper handling of things, that needs to be brought to authority. Needs to be taken care of. That needs to be handled. God will bring those things to light. But it's God's business. It's God's business. Shauna said something to me a couple days ago that, I ended up writing down, the enemy will try to get you to focus on all these other things, on all these distractions, so that you lose the benefit of your giving. Because you're trying to control your money when it wasn't yours in the first place, it was God's. Do we all need to sing, let it go? Let it go. We saw Frozen 2 the other, okay, anyway. (laughs) Guys, money is simply a tool that just happens to reveal our hearts. Money is a tool that happens to reveal our hearts. It shows where we put our trust and where we put our faith. Psalm 5010 tells us that God owns every single thing in this earth. and says that he even owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We serve a God that already owns it all. And guess what? He's your dad. Yay. I like that. Yes. You're going to be okay. If you'll take his advice, listen to him, obey him, you're going to be just fine. Not holding on too tightly to what you've got. You're putting your trust in that stuff. Don't hold on too tightly. Be ready and willing and able to give freely. And God will honor you. And as it said, you'll become more wealthy as a result. God can do more with the 90% than you could possibly do with the 100 It's not about the money. We have nothing to worry about when we obey and trust God. Simply obey him and let him provide. It's not about the money. It's about our heart. So the last thing I want to mention, number three, without a generous heart, we cannot fulfill our destiny. Without a generous heart, we cannot fulfill our destiny. I said this a few minutes ago. It's almost impossible to find someone that you would consider to be Christ-like who's not a giver. And by the way, let me get on another little soapbox for a second. Many ignorant people think that Christians should be poor because Jesus was poor. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because let me tell you this, Jesus was not poor. Man, that's just a revelation to somebody. Jesus was not poor. You don't think the Son of God, you don't think he was taken care of? You think he had days he was like, I'm hungry. (laughs) No, guarantee you, it wasn't an issue. Wasn't an issue. 
The Bible, they take this from the Bible says he was poor in spirit. Guys, it means humble. Doesn't mean he didn't have funds to eat on. Didn't mean he didn't have a place to stay. Scripture tells us that there were people that were following Jesus that were giving to his ministry every day. We know that as the firstborn son of Joseph, that the inheritance of the family was his. The business, it was his. And I don't believe he just walked away from it and said, oh, to heck with that. He had to make sure that his mother and his siblings and everybody were taken care of. And we know that he did all the way to the end. We also see that his robe was seamless. Do you know that nobody wore seamless robes but what royalty during that day? I don't believe that Jesus was wearing bling, okay? I don't believe he looked like Mr. T with chains hanging off. I believe that he was probably given the robe. I don't think he cared about having a seamless robe, but he had one. We see it at the cross. It was seamless. It means something. Jesus had a treasurer. Again, it was Judas Iscariot. But he had a treasurer to handle the money. I don't believe that he, if he was alive today, I, I, don't, I don't know that he would be driving around in a Rolls Royce limo. I, I, don't, I, I don't believe that Jesus cared about those things. He cared about the kingdom. But I believe that he was well taken care of. I believe that he never missed a meal. Unless he was praying through the night. I just don't buy it that the Messiah wasn't taken care of and went hungry. Ministry requires money. And if you're going to do what God has called you to do, it's going to require resources. It's also going to require you being generous. We're called to do the same work that Jesus did while on the earth. So much so that we're called the body of Christ. We're called to be his hands and feet. Every day of Jesus' life was spent giving away to others. And we're to, we are to follow that example. When we look at the example of Jesus and then those that followed, the disciples, the apostles, Paul, all these, we see that they did a couple of things. They loved people right where they were at. They would go and they would meet the person's needs, and then they would share the truth of the saving grace of Jesus. So it's one thing to share the gospel with somebody. You can talk to somebody and share the gospel, but it's a whole other thing to love them, to pray for their sick kid, and to pay their late utility bill. You haven't even shared Jesus with them yet. Guess what? They're going to be open to hearing whatever it is that you've got to say at that point. And it comes from being generous. A couple of scriptures before I close out of this. Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 and 8. If, any, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you should not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. We've got to be generous. And guess what? If you're going to lend to somebody sufficient for what they need, you've got to have resources as well. You can't be too poor if you're taking care of the poor. You're obviously blessed. Matthew 10, 42 says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. 
Bless a kid that's needy. Bless somebody and see how open they are to hear what you have to say. And listen, our reason for existing on the earth, hear me, our reason for existing in the earth today is not to praise God. Now, we are supposed to praise God. We praise God with our existence and everything that we are. But we can praise God in heaven. We're supposed to do it in the earth as well. But what I'm, the point I'm making is our primary purpose for God leaving us here on earth as human beings is not to worship him. We could do that if he took us on right now. He left us here to be a godly example and to be Jesus to the lost. We're here to be used by the Holy Spirit to lead people to him. Everything that we do and say should point to Jesus. Our life should be a living sacrifice. That means once we receive Christ, our life is no longer our own. We lay it down and we give it to him to use for his purpose. The heart of, of God is generous, and if we're going to allow him to use us, we better learn to be extravagantly generous as well. Anybody agree with that? Anybody say amen? amen. A few testimonies. Guys, I love testimonies. I, man, the way it builds our faith, and I hope you guys continue to share with us some things. But somebody asked me, Dad mentioned a couple weeks ago, he, he mentioned mine and Shauna's break story. And I've had two people come up to me since and say, what is the break story? Any of you remember our, our story about our breaks? Okay, we got a couple. I'm going to share the break story. As I had mentioned, um, actually, Sean and I both were, were raised to give, and we've always been faithful to do so. Does that mean that it's always been easy? No, not necessarily. We've always, we've, along the way, we've had, some, we've had some tough patches where, you know, we didn't have necessarily what we needed in a moment, but God has always come through. And it may not be in the way that we fought. It may not be at the time that we fought, but he's always come through. So I don't know how many years ago that was. That was that first Odyssey that we had. We had bought this, uh, we bought this used Honda Odyssey that we were driving, and, uh, and it still had the factory brakes on it. And how many of you know that after several years, you got to do something about that? And that very much came to our attention, and we started hearing this grinding sound every time we touched the brake pedal. Don't you all love the grind? <laughs> So embarrassing. You're looking around. I hope nobody's looking. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Problem is, we didn't really have the money for a brake job. So we ran it up to Gateway right here on Hacks. Ran it up to Gateway. And they took a look at it and, and uh, gave us a quote. And we said, nope, can't afford that right now. And so we left with our van with bad brakes. And we drove on it for, drove on them for about three more months. It's bad, man. I mean, it's just tearing up our rotors. It's loud. And um, so finally, um, I believe it was our income tax return. I believe our income tax return came, if I remember correctly. And, uh, and we knew what we needed to do. We had to get a brake job done on this van. And so uh, we had two vehicles. So we dropped the van off at, uh, at Gateway, and then we drove over to Walmart and we were over there shopping at Walmart, and I've got my phone. I'm waiting for the call from, uh, from Gateway when they have fixed our vehicle. And my phone finally rings as we're walking down one of the aisles at Walmart, and um, the guy, um, what was his name, Keith? I can't remember. Um, he calls and says, hey, uh, I wanted to let you know that that grinding sound that you're hearing is your new brake pads, uh, your new brake pads, um, what do you call it? Breaking in. Yeah, it's your new brake pads. Yeah, breaking in. And I said, you got the wrong vehicle. 
because uh, we don't have any brake pads. We have like none. And, um, and he, goes, he goes, no, we, we, we've got your tires off right now looking at it. Um, yeah, whatever, wherever you got the new brakes on, you know, that, that's what's causing the sound. I said, no, sir, we, we didn't get new brakes put on. And he goes, well, I'm looking at them. He said, they're brand spanking new. He said, they're factory brakes. I was like, what? And we drove over there, and we had new brand new brakes and rotors. Shoes and pads on our, uh, on our, um, on our van. Now, you call it whatever you want to call it. I got a good friend who, he's still not so sure about that. I, I mentioned it to him, and he's, he's convinced that one of you guys from our church probably snuck over to our house in the middle of the night and, <laughs> and, and silently did a brake job without us ever knowing. And, uh, and if you did, please don't tell me, because uh, I want to give God all the glory for it. And I've had people say to me, are you saying that God does brake jobs? I'm like, are you saying he can't? I mean... But we never did put brakes on that vehicle, and we drove it for years and years and years and years. Amen. Guys, the Bible says when we give our tithe, the devourer is rebuked. How many of you know our brake pads get devoured over time? They don't get more and more new. They get older and older, and they break down more and more. I believe that the devourer was rebuked from our brakes, and they were brand spanking new. One interesting story. I'm going to jump on to uh, uh, another thing here. How many of you remember, uh, how many of you remember my friend um, when you guys, a couple years ago when I had him here on the video screen on a Sunday morning, he was Pastor Rob Brewer. How many of you guys remember him? He's a pastor, he was a pastor at Gateway Church in Dallas. He's now a professor at King's University. That is um, uh, Jack Hayford's school. Uh, he's now an assistant professor at King's University. But uh, I talked to him for a few minutes last night, and we actually, uh, we actually Skyped, and I recorded it. And I want to play this for you. I, I remembered a story that he told me. I remembered a tough time they had gone through. By the way, when Sean and I were at the Gateway Conference a few weeks ago, Jill and Rob had just come through another kind of tough time, and God had shown himself faithful in their life again. So he's actually got two stories in this. And bear with me. It's about 10, 15 minutes, um, but it's a, it's a great testimony. I want you guys to watch this with me. Well, I want to welcome our friend, my friend, uh, Dr. Rob Brewer, and uh, you guys may remember a couple of years ago, we had him share for a, for a few minutes with us, and, and uh, he was pastor at Gateway then, is now an assistant professor at King's University, and, and uh, doing all kinds of great things. We're able to catch up, um, uh, how long has it been now? I guess a couple months ago, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's hard right. To keep up with, <laughs> hard to keep up with time these days, but, uh, but anyway... Um, so actually, as we're doing the series on giving and talking about God's faithfulness and everything, it, I just I was reminded of this um, testimony that you had shared with me. And this has been I don't know how many years ago it was, but I remember you sharing this with me and I've shared it with people a number of times. But uh, yeah. it's it's been so long. I want to make sure I had the story straight. So I figured it'd be better from uh, from your mouth and mine. So uh, <laughs> so if you could share with us uh, that that story about about giving your paycheck, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I, I'm happy to do that. And, uh, you know, the Lord has taken me and my family on a really fascinating journey in the area of giving and especially uh, the tithe and then even extending beyond that to, to offerings. Yeah. And uh, there was one time in particular that he was really starting to instruct us on uh, just the significance and, and what kind of blessings surrounded 
the giving of the tithe and and then uh, if we would extend beyond that to the offering. So we were um, attending Gateway and Gateway was looking at uh, purchasing the land on which the the campus now sits. And um, we did a, a, a whole series on on uh, just kind of like what you're doing right now uh, on on faithfulness and faithfulness with your money and stewardship and things like that. And and I'd been wrestling with the Lord, you know, all the way along, like, what should I give? And, you know, you know, 10 bucks, 20, what, you know, what should I give? <laughs> yeah. And uh, when when we got to uh, really praying about it, I felt like the Lord give me uh, not a number, but a thing to give. And I thought, no, that that's not the Lord. That's uh, that's too much. It, it, I, I can't do that. I, no, no, that's that's not the Lord. And so Jill and I, my wife and I were were uh, sitting in service uh, right at the end of service. The pastor who is closing out the service reminds us, hey, next week, don't forget to bring your offering for uh, for the land and you bring what the Lord has told you to bring. So my wife looks over at me and she says, uh, have you have you heard from the Lord on what we need to give? And, you know, I kind of I don't I I don't know. I, I don't know. I said have have you heard from the Lord? And she said, well, I think I have, but I'm scared to tell you. Yeah, you go first. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. Yeah. I said, well, you better you better tell me. And and she looked at me and she said, I think we're supposed to give our next paycheck uh, for, for this offering. And that is exactly what the Lord had been speaking to me about. And, and simultaneously, my heart leapt, and it also sunk because I knew <laughs> I knew the ramifications of of this. And so the very next week, we we received our paycheck, and uh, rather than cashing it, uh, back then they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't direct deposit checks. So oh, we oh yeah we I forgot how old you are. Yeah, right. yeah it's pretty old, you know. <laughs> So we, uh, we brought in the paycheck and uh, we endorsed it over to uh, Gateway Church and we dropped it into the box in the back and uh, went and had uh, sat down in the front. And I tell you that my my worship that night, uh, I mean, it's just so full. I knew I had done exactly what the Lord had wanted me to do. And and then the next week came along and we needed to get groceries and we needed yeah. to make house payments and we needed to make car payments. And, you know, this this level of faith that had been in me uh, when I gave the check over it, all of a sudden started to struggle. You know, when yeah. when you, you've yeah. done this miraculous thing where you give such a huge gift and and now uh, you're you're waiting for the Lord to deliver and. Mm -hmm. Uh, he doesn't deliver right away, and and you start questioning, did did I do the right thing? And I mean, it was it was tough, and we we actually uh, would go past the uh, the date things were due, and and people would give me um, uh, out of nowhere, they'd come and give me fifty dollars here, or they'd take us out to dinner over there, 
or someone would, uh, uh, I think we had one time where someone just dropped off groceries at the door. We opened the door and there were groceries on, on the door. And uh, we just kept, we kept pushing through. And I, I, had, I had a faith struggle through this because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm battling with this. You know, I, I thought the Lord was going to res- rescue me out of this right away. I thought someone's going to give me a, a check for, for, to cover my, my salary mm-hmm. for that month. Like in, in 24 hours, someone's going to do right. that. Right. That didn't happen. And, and I thought, did I miss the Lord? You know, I'm still, I'm still fighting through this. I'm still struggling with this. And, and so we went for, um, for a while and, and, you know, it was just a, it was a trial to get through that season. But I look back at the end of 45 days and you know what, Rob, at the end of 45 days, uh, we, we did not, uh, miss a single bill. Now it wasn't necessarily on time paying the bills, but we did not miss a single bill. Every bill had been paid. The, the house payment had been paid. The car payment had been paid. And not only did we pay every bill, but we did not miss a single meal. And to this day, I still don't know how the Lord did that. I still don't know. Because you didn't have that, the money. I mean, uh, we yeah. didn't have the money. Yeah, right. we didn't have it in savings. And I always qualify the story because, you know, someone will hear that story and they'll go, oh, I'm supposed to give my paycheck. And, and I would just qualify <laughs> by saying, you know what? <laughs> Give your paycheck if the Lord says to give your paycheck. Right, right. In retrospect, uh, I wish I would have had a, a paycheck's worth stored up in savings so right. that if the Lord said, give your paycheck, then I can give my paycheck. And I know I've got, I've got reserves to, right. to cover that gift. So we were, we were young in that process and just excited <laughs> about what the Lord was doing in our giving. Even if you had done that, he would have told you to give your next five paychecks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. exactly. But, you know, the Lord, the Lord met that need yeah. and, and fully took care of us in, in that season. And, you know, we're just so grateful for that. We, yeah. You mentioned there was a second story. We have yeah. just recently come out of a season where... Uh, we felt like the Lord was leading us into um, a transition. And so I had resigned my position and uh, was uh, just really trusting the Lord for what was going to happen next in, in employment. And uh, we waited and we waited and we waited and we waited. And, and, and then beyond just waiting, I started putting my resume out and all kinds of people were interested in my resume. They would look at my resume and say, wow, what an amazing resume. And I would ra- <laughs> wait for the, the job offer to come. And what would follow would be, you have a great yeah. resume and I'm going to pray for you. And it's yeah. like, why, why, <laughs> why can I not, I not get hired? And uh, we, we just kept moving through that season. And uh, one day uh, a guy called me. Uh, it was late one evening. He called me. It was about 8 p.m. And he said, hey, can I take you for a quick cup of coffee? And I said, yeah, sure. This is a particularly difficult day emotionally. And I was discouraged and frustrated uh, at, at the situation. And uh, this guy always uh, encourages me. So um, we went and got a cup of coffee. And, and he said, you know, Rob, I, uh, I, I, um, invest in businesses, but I want to give you a little secret. I don't invest in the business. 
I invest in the person who's mm. running the business. He yeah. said, the Lord has had you and your family on my mind all day long. And I kept asking the Lord, Lord why are the brewers on, on my mind? And finally, the Lord gave me the answer, he said. He looked at me, he said, Rob, I'm supposed to invest in you for the next year. I invest in people and I'm supposed to invest in you for the next year. He pulled out $1,500 out of his pocket wow. and handed it to me. He said, this is just fun money. He said, I want you to take your wife out for dinner. Uh, I want you guys to, to have a night on the town. I, I, just, I want you to just be blessed. Right. said, and beyond that, the Lord told me that I am supposed to uh, take care of your house payment for as long as you're in this season. And he said, if I need to, I will pay off the bank and give you your house. And I was, I was absolutely floored. You know, we were at this point that we could not, we were at this point, we could not make the house payment that, right. that uh, the next, uh, the next month that came along, we were going to go into, um, into difficulty with the bank. And, mm -hmm. and the Lord speaks to him and said, and said, uh, take care of this man's house payment. And, and, uh, I was without a job for 12 months for a full solid year. And mm -hmm. during that year, he took care of our house payment and, wow. and supplied everything we needed on the house. Yeah. And along with that, uh, my wife, her car, uh, we had uh, a lease out on that car and uh, the car was coming due. The, the lease was maturing. And so I found myself going to work one day, just really frustrated with the Lord, knowing that here in a couple of weeks, I got to turn in this uh, this car. And now we're going to be down to one car. And what Lord, what am I supposed to do? She yeah. works and, and I need to be looking for a job. And 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 so I'm just really discouraged. The very next morning, I get a a, a text from a friend at about 8 a.m., he says, hey, are you available to talk? And so I text him back, yeah, sure, I can talk. So 10 minutes later, we're talking. He said, the Lord woke me up at 3 a.m. I've been praying for you since 3 a.m. And at about 7 a.m. this morning, the Lord told me why he woke me up at 3 a.m. to pray for you. He yeah. said, I'm supposed to give you my car. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to give you my car. And he, he didn't said, know the situation, right? He didn't know you were about to lose your vehicle and he, he didn't know the situation in, in full. No. Yeah. And, and so he, he said, let me just double check it with the mechanic and make sure everything is okay. And then I'm going to sign my car over to you. And I'm just blown away. Now, uh, several people, as I was telling the story, several people, uh, before we received the car, they, they had asked, well, what kind of car is it? And I said, I don't know what kind of car it is. You figure it's some hoopty, I mean, right? Some, but you know, <laughs> But it's a car. Like cars. They're usually like yeah. Hyundai's or, you know, they're these, these Chevy Sonics or something like this. You know, it's, it's not typically something to write home about. Well, he calls me one day and he says, all right, the car's ready. Can, can my wife and I take you guys out to dinner and, and drop the car off? And we said, yeah, sure, absolutely. So he drives up about a half hour later. Pastor Rob, would you believe that he is driving a Lexus? He drops off a Lexus at the front of my house. And immediately the Lord spoke to me and he said, you think you have problems, but really you, what you have, you have a Honda problem 
that I'm going to solve with a Lexus solution. Wow. And, and the Lord did that. The Lord ended up solving our financial and our uh, employment issues. He solved it with a Lexus solution. And through wow. all of this, the Lord, you know, for years and years, the Lord has taught me about giving and stewardship. Mm -hmm. And we have some things on the stewardship side with our budget that we're pressing toward every month. And uh, we're, we're doing a lot better on the stewardship side with budgets and debt and things like that. But, uh, you know, that stewardship side has to be in place for the blessing side to really happen. Sure. And last year, yeah. we really knocked out that stewardship side. And so the Lord, uh, we were in a position to really experience the Lord's blessing. And so the Lord blessed us with someone paying for our house in the middle of that season and that's huge or uh, giving us a car in the middle of that. Yeah. Season. Yeah. And, and then beyond that, the Lord provided me uh, a, a ministry position at a, uh, at a college where, where I'm working with, uh, I'm working in a seminary and, and teaching students uh, how to effectively work in ministry. And I'm just so, so blessed. And yeah. we have seen the Lord's blessing on our finances in so many different ways. And he's taken us through these journeys over the year where or the years where um, uh, not every story is this big, you know, house or car story. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's, man, we, we have a lot left over at the end of this paycheck yeah. because, because we've stewarded. Uh, right. And sometimes it's we just have a little leftover, but yeah. we're able to knock this thing out over here. And then sometimes we have these big, you know, house, car, ginormous testimonies yeah. that come along. Yeah. But the Lord has just been so faithful with mm -hmm. us as we have been faithful, faithful. To, yeah. to be givers, to practice giving, and not just the tithe, but the offering as well. You know, at, at Gateway, we've always said that uh, the Lord does more with 90% than I can do with 100%. Right. So he right. has consistently yep. showed himself trustworthy in that, that he always does more with that 90%. Yeah, he does. So we well, are. Brother, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing with yeah. us. I know it's going to be uh, an encouragement to many. So. Well, thanks for letting me share my, my testimony. It's a fun yeah. share. Good talking to you. You guys yeah. take care. I love you, man. Love you, too. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. A few more testimonies real quick before we give. Miss um, Jamita, Miss Jamita's not here this morning. Miss Jamita, uh, passing a note, said um, that she gets, got the, a revelation uh, three weeks ago after um, our elder Zach's teaching. Said she started a part-time job and felt led to give the first $100 to the Lord. Her first paycheck was $117. So she did it. She needed the money, but she kept her vow to the Lord, gave it anyway. The next week, she received more work and made 200 bucks just the first two days. And now she's asking the Lord for the next amount to give. Um, Alex and Danielle had one, a little testimony of theirs. Danielle decided they need to increase their tithe by a certain amount. And uh, she received a, a large raise recently, unexpectedly, at work, right? It's awesome. Um, Michael and Eddie Thede, um, they had two 
they had said last year during the Christmas gift, uh, Christmas gift offering, we were financially struggling because Michael was the only one that was working. We didn't know if we were going to be able to buy our kids anything for Christmas. We prayed about it and gave our last $100 last year in the Christmas gift offering and through, uh, through faith and didn't think anything else about it. We sat through the service feeling joyful that we were able to give, even though it was our last. Before we could get out of the doors of the sanctuary when service was over, someone walked up and blessed us with $1,000. It was so unexpected. We were overwhelmed with God's grace. We both knew that it was a blessing from God because we were faithful and obedient. And then the last one uh, they had there was, um, I heard the voice of the Lord, Miss Eddie said, I heard the voice of the Lord tell me two months before I went to work at Baptist, um, before graduating from radiology school, that I was to give my entire first paycheck to the Lord, regardless of the amount, to the church. Michael and I prayed about it, and we're in agreement, and and we had to be obedient to the Lord. And I indeed gave my entire first paycheck over $1,200. At the time, giving it was a struggle because we had to buy school clothes for the kids and supplies. And, and our dryer broke down. The dryer broke down that week. Um, it was rough, but we were still obedient. The very next day after giving the money to the church, we got an unexpected check in the mail for $846. We were overwhelmed and actually crying with joy in all of God's grace. Andrew and Haley, their testimony. Three weeks ago when Zach was speaking, God spoke to me and told me how much uh, to give in the Christmas gift offering, but Andrew said he hadn't told Haley yet. Then two weeks ago when Pastor Bob was preaching, God told me that we needed to start tithing on the gross and not the net because we felt that when we tithe on the, uh, on the net, we're putting our taxes, insurance, and 401k before him. Also, and also to move our tithe to the first of the month um, as to put him as the first at each month. Then after church that Sunday, Haley was wondering what we should give, and I told her God had already spoken to me, but I hadn't spoken up yet. So we both agreed two days later, and then two days later, our insurance company called and said they were lowering our car insurance by $100 a month and lowered our home insurance by $500 a year. And since it was already paid that year, they were sending us a check for the balance. Amen. <laughs> Let me get the keyboard play. Let me get Madison to come up. And uh, let's all stand. Guys, it is time for us to give. As we prepare to do so, as we prepare to give our Christmas gift offering, I want you to know that in this, um, we're going to have um, the ushers are going to come now, and they're going to bring the offering buckets up front. And in just a few minutes, when I tell you, we're going to come down and we're going to, uh, we're going to give um, to the Lord. I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and come down. And look, I hope that you guys have been praying. I hope that you have a seed that you're planting in this. I hope you have something that you're standing and believing for. And when you do, when you come and give here in a few minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have, and actually our pastors and elders can go ahead and come down to the sides. As you give, I would encourage you, if you're planting a seed and there's something you're believing for, just our pastors and elders, hang on just a minute. If you're believing for something, I encourage you, once you drop your offering in there, I want you to step off to the side, and I want you to get one of the pastors or elders to pray with you. Tell them what it is that you're standing and agreeing for. Tell them what that seed is that you're planting and what you're standing for, and allow them to stand and agree with you as well. When the offering bucket comes by in a minute, you're going to drop in your Christmas gift offering. I'm going to invite you, if you, um, if you have committed, there should have been a card in your service guide. If, uh, if you have committed to, uh, to become a tither, you've never tithed before, and you want to commit to that 90-day tithe challenge that you're going to give 10% of everything that comes into you, then I want you to fill out that card and put that on there, and you're going to bring that down, and you're going to drop that in the basket as well. Thirdly, 
If the Lord has laid it on your heart and this year you've decided that you're gonna be a progressive giver, you're gonna give, you're gonna commit to giving above and beyond your tithe, you're gonna give beyond that this year, I want you to fill out that card for progressive giving and say, Lord, this is what I commit to give to you this year above and beyond. I plan as a seed knowing that you're gonna take care of me you're going to take care of it all, and you're going to drop that in there. Sean and I have committed this year. We are going to be progressive giver. We're going to give a percent above what we normally would uh, of our normal tithe this year. I want you guys to pray because I believe God's speaking to some of you, and he's putting the same thing on your heart right now. So let's all just bow our heads for just a moment. Lord, with open hearts, we come to you. Firstly, we recognize that you're the giver of all givers, and we've been called to lay down our lives for you. We are crucified with Christ, and it's no longer we. It's no longer us who lives, but it's you who lives through us. So we choose not to hold on too tightly to anything that we have. We choose to give freely and to give cheerfully. Pray for each one today, Lord, that you would lay on their hearts what they're to give in that Christmas gift offering today as we give a Christmas to our, to our single parents and their kids. As we build our benevolence fund so that we can be a blessing to those that are in need in our church family as we take care of issues with our building and our parking lot, Lord, speak to us that we would be part of the work that you're doing through our church family. Lord, I pray for each and every one who's committing for the first time to this 90-day tithe challenge. Lord, it's the one place in Scripture where you encouraged us to test you in this. And so, Lord, we're making it easy on everybody. And we've told them, if they'll give their tithe consistently for three months, we've told them they're going to see your hand move in their life. And we trust you because we've seen it in our own. We've also told them if they don't see it, we'll give them all the money back. But Lord, we know that you're going to come through in ways that you never have before. You're going to come through beyond what they could ever think or imagine in Jesus' name. And I just pray, Lord, that anything that may be holding them back in this moment, that that would be removed now in Jesus' name. Lastly, Lord, for those who are committing to be a progressive giver, those who have given their, their tithe maybe for years, but Lord, you've placed it in their heart to go above and beyond, that they want more than just the devour rebuke for, for their sake. They want to see the blessings of heaven. I pray, Lord, that you would touch them right where they're at right now, that you would confirm what you've spoken to them, that they wouldn't doubt for one second, that the enemy would be silenced through our worship and our praise. And Lord, that they would step forward in obedience. We're going to worship the Lord together as we do. I encourage you to step out from your seat and go ahead and give this morning. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.